Uh, Chris, uh, some of these unemployment benefits unwinding, most of them now expiring, but there's talk of more stimulus down the pike. So what drives the market and should investors feel confident that we can keep printing highs, even if the government's not printing money in this moment? Well, first of all, Oliver, thanks for having me today. Um, Thank you. And I think you bring up a really interesting question. In fact, we're in the process of publishing a piece on this as we speak. Um, a lot of folks have asked us, Chief, why has the market been so resilient? Usually it's sell in May and go away. And this year so far, we're bucking the trend. Uh, our view is it's, it, the answer, if you take a step back from all the noise around employment, uh, retail sales, et cetera, all these different data points, really the force through the trees is earnings. Um, the earnings power of the S&P 500 in 2021 thus far has been really, really strong, much better than expected. Um, and in fact, Q2, uh, which is obviously the quarter we just closed out on, um, by our rubric is the, the best quarter we've ever seen in terms of earnings beats. Um, in, in the, in, you know, we have 11 years of data that we've been tracking it in our sort of proprietary way. We like to look at uh, earnings beats relative to where the company was guiding six months prior. So not this whole game about trying to jump over the bar from you know the day before the day before earnings, but rather look at where the companies are trending long-term. Something like 83% of the S&P 500 that reported beat. Um, that we've never had a reading over 80% um, in, in the last decade of, of looking at this data. So um, Q2 was very strong. Looking forward, um, also if you look at uh, LEI, the you know, leading economic indicator index, which is you know, 10 uh, um, economic uh, indicators that as a composite, um, we think gives us kind of an interesting uh, future view into Q3 earnings and how that's shaping up. That's made a new high recently. All 10 indicators are positive, which I don't know we've ever seen that before. So that actually bodes well for next quarter's earnings as well. So, you know, if for folks who are wondering why the S&P is up as much as it is, uh, it's really been all about earnings this year um, and not very much about the valuation multiple. So, Chris, uh, the earnings beats as uh, impressive as they are. What does it tell us about potential to keep that going? Does the earnings beat rate uh, peak during this pandemic period? Does the growth for some of the tech that benefited from all this rush to tech demand, how does this look going forward? It seems like this does a good job explaining to us how we got here. What about where we go from here and the role that earnings play? Sure. So just mathematically speaking, it's hard to fathom that it would get much better than what we've seen. Um, and, mm. and I think the market understands that. Um, however, you know, you bring up tech. I think tech is a really interesting uh, phenomenon here. Uh, you mentioned earlier in the program how robust that the tech trends have been and how in growth in general. Um, if you look at tech, um, what's really happened isn't that the pandemic gave tech sort of a one-time benefit. Uh, what it really did, at least in my opinion, is it dragged forward about five to seven years of technology adoption and things like cloud computing, remote computing, et yes. cetera, et cetera. It dragged all of that into the present. But that's really a structural change. That's not a cyclical one. Yes, some of that growth got dragged forward a few years, but that's just compounding upon itself because all of us, business people, consumers, et cetera, we were all learning how to interact with one another uh, in a more virtual way. And some of this is going to stick with us long after this pandemic, hopefully at some point ceases. Um, so I think it's still structural growth for parts of technology, not cyclical. Um, and so I just think that that's kind of turbocharged it, but that's that's just growing on a trend that's already in place.
The thing that uh, I still have uh, uh, trouble with a little bit of that is, is when pre-COVID, you ask someone why a cloud company traded at exorbitant valuations, they'd say, well, there's 10 years of growth still here, or an e-commerce company, they'd say, well, only 11% of people uh, transact online. Well, last year that jumped to pretty much everybody. So then does that mean that, well, earnings might now be more robust and these companies might finally cross some of these profitability thresholds? Should we expect valuation contraction, Chris, or does that not happen until something changes with the Fed or bond yields finally start waking up again? Right, I'm really glad you brought up valuation too. So if Earnings is one side of the stock coin, the stock price coin, obviously valuation is the other. Uh, we've written a bunch about this too. Our view is yes, indeed, you can't look at stock prices in a vacuum. You have to compare it to the uh, risk-free rate, to the uh, to the alternative to taking risk, if you will. And as long as bonds, uh, as long as yields stay as low as they are, that is a natural, uh, that's, a, that's a natural boost to, to stock market valuations. Um, and our, in our view, and I think the Federal Reserve would probably agree with this, you know, thinking about what they said at Jackson Hole, uh, it's unlikely for bond yields to rise dramatically anytime soon, which is going to give that natural bid to valuation. Now, is it going to continue to be as elevated as it is today? Our view, looking out long term, is that you get pretty decent earnings growth over the next few years. And you're, with that, you're going to get some multiple contraction. Um, but it's not going to be enough to offset uh, the hmm. overall positive growth in earnings. So you can still grind out higher in the out years here, even though, indeed, undoubtedly, we have dragged uh, a fair amount of, of stock market growth and earnings growth here to the present. And by the way, if I'm an investor or if I'm a, uh, a corporate manager, I'd rather have that growth today than five years ago, right? Or, or five years from now. Uh, from the compounding perspective, I, I'm happy that it's been dragged forward. Uh, but nonetheless, your, your point on valuation is a good one. And I'm looking at your notes as you like software as a group, but trying to avoid those extreme high flyers uh, connected to Internet and uh, communication services businesses. What about the other side of the ledger, Chris, is uh, the value trade has at least uh, bottomed out. It looks like the last month yields now trying to make a little bit of an uptrend here since uh, July. Some of the reopened trades have not taken out new lows for about a month. Does that look encouraging? Is it time to shift some money there if folks are uh, very piled into tech? Well, basically what we've been recommending to investors, and in fact, what we've been doing in our own portfolios over the last few quarters, is that we've been betting a little bit less on just straight growth or straight value, and we've been going with more what I like to call a barbell approach. So there's some areas of growth, and you mentioned software, uh, that we particularly like for the backdrop that we're in right now. There's also some areas of value too. Um, and a couple that I would bring to your attention. The first one is just infrastructure-related plays. Uh, so companies that are more, you know, domestically focused and, and you know, in the industrials and material uh, material space that sort of play right into that infrastructure theme. By the way, this is not a political call per se. We think that infrastructure spending is is going to happen regardless of the political backdrop, simply because over the next five to seven years, our country desperately needs infrastructure. We view that as a relatively bipartisan view. Um, another area of, of, of what you call value that we think are kind of interesting um, are U.S. financials. Now, admittedly, with low bond yields, you know, it doesn't do wonders um, for the spread you make on lending. However, with you mentioned a little bit of reflation going on in the economy here, that actually does you know, drive more demand for loans. And we are seeing that across the banking space. Uh, and these, a lot of these uh, large American banks are now paying dividends again and even potentially 
at the point where they can start thinking about growing them. So that's an interesting contrarian play. Uh, and then there's even some growth value hybrids, um, stocks or industries that sort of straddle the line on growth versus value. One I'd throw out there is medical devices. So medical devices historically thought of as a growth space, but some of these, because they're related to elective procedures that really took a huge hit during the pandemic, um, they, their valuations relative to uh, other parts of the healthcare market or to the S&P 500 are, are, are not so robust. We actually think they kind of are in a sweet spot right now where they're, they're cheap relative to their own history, uh, but still have some meaningful structural growth uh, prospects. Mm -hmm. So we kind of view those as a hybrid between the two themes.